All right. Are you ready to start with the intro? Sure. Oh, I'm doing the intro. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You're not doing the intro. <laughs> I could do the intro. I'll take over. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Life Plus God podcast. I'm your host, Alyssa Robinson, and today we are answering the question, why do spiritual practices matter? Um, in the Methodist Church, we put a lot of emphasis on the spiritual practices that help us grow in our faith. And today we're going to explore a little bit more behind why we do that and what they mean and how they can help us. And to help me through this question is our Director of Adult Discipleship, Denise Robinson. Denise, welcome. Hey there. Glad to be here. Yeah. Also known as mom to me. So Yeah, that happens too. So can I call you mom or should you I call can. you Denise since this is a professional? I guess that's your choice. Deal. I'll answer to either. I'll be fine. <laughs> I'll switch in and out. Um, okay. So let's just talk at a high level with spiritual practices. Where did the idea of a collection of spiritual practices come from? Because it's kind of like we took pieces from scripture and put them together to make this idea of spiritual practices, but does it actually list out spiritual practices in scripture anywhere? You know, it's interesting because there is evidence in scripture of spiritual practices, but they didn't call it that. They didn't say, oh, here's a spiritual practice that you should do over and over and over again. But we have lots of evidence in spiritual practices within the Bible and in other religions. It's not just left to Christianity because almost every religion has some form of spiritual practice that they participate in. So we draw a lot from from the book of Acts because that's when the early church was trying to figure out how to do life without Jesus walking right beside their, them at all times. And so they wanted a way to get closer to God and to, to keep doing what Jesus taught them to do. So the first place we see that is in Acts um, chapter 2, verses 42. And I just love this verse, so I'll share it now. But it's, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which is Bible engagement, and to fellowship, which is what we would call consistent community, and to the breaking of bread, which would be worship, and to prayer. And so that was how they began. Well, so you went ahead and named some of the spiritual practices. What is it, like, do we have a comprehensive list of spiritual practices? No. In fact, if you just Googled spiritual practices, you're going to find a plethora of choices. And even over time, spiritual practices have been added because people found they needed something else. Uh, a good example of that is, um, man, as our lives have gotten busier and busier, now there's a spiritual practice called silence and solitude. Whereas there was a time that that was kind of the monks that did that. And now... They do the silence for us. Yeah, so that they we do can the, just We don't have to be lives. silent. <laughs> yeah, we can just keep going. But now people have realized, man, I am so busy all the time that I don't even take that time to, to meditate or be silent or solitude. So, you know, over time, different spiritual practices have been added. So, yeah, there's no list. And... Um, I have several books that I really think are wonderful, and they don't have the same spiritual practices in them. So how do you know that something that you're doing is a spiritual practice? If you're doing anything that is making you more aware of God's presence, 
or making you more aware of of walking the walk that Jesus taught, that's a spiritual practice. And your spiritual practice doesn't have to look like anybody else's, mm-hmm. which is something I used to struggle with because I don't do anything like anybody else does. And so I always thought I was doing stuff wrong. Yeah. Well, I don't like rules. So it's not that I don't do things the way other people do, but I didn't like being told these are the ways that you engage with God and don't go outside of this. It made me want to rebel against the system and be like, no, I engage with God in different ways. (laughs) I can't believe that you don't like rules. Man, we never (laughs) saw that when you were growing up. No, I'm, and I'm absolutely the same way. I, if someone says you must do it this way, I'm like, oh no, I'm not going to do it that way. And so that, that was, that made me struggle with, okay, am I doing it wrong? And so anything you do can be a spiritual practice. If one of your habits is taking a walk every day where all you are doing on that walk is observing the nature around you, that can be the most beautiful spiritual practice because it draws you closer to God. Both of us have an aversion to rules. <laughs> I might have gotten it from you. Perhaps. Um, so why do Methodists, because we're United Methodists, why do Methodists put such a huge emphasis on spiritual practices and naming the spiritual practices? And it might be in the name of like, there's a method. But <laughs> why is it that we lean in so hard to spiritual practices? Because it's a focus of this church ongoing. It's to try to get people hooked in to spiritual practices. Well, you already said it. So when John Wesley decided to start the Methodist movement, By the way, he had no intention of starting a new denomination. He just wanted to make some changes in the Anglican church. And so he decided that he wanted to incorporate some regular practices into his daily life. And so um, the people around him made fun of him and his group of friends and called him Methodist. And it wasn't out of compassion. It was out of derision. I've heard this story and John Wesley was like, huh, I kind of like the sound yeah. of that. <laughs> so we became Methodists. So yeah, it does have a little bit to do with the methodology. Now don't get caught up as someone that doesn't like rules. Don't get caught up in that methodology means it has to be a certain way. It's more of, man, we found that these tools help you in your walk. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. To that end, I want to talk a little bit uh, about what this church is doing with the blueprint for spiritual wellness. So can you give us a little bit of an overview of what that is and why we're doing it? Yeah. So we decided um, that we were doing some great things with figuring, helping people figure out where their spiritual gifts are. And we were doing some converse, you know, we were offering Bible studies and, and lots of opportunities to grow in your faith, but we weren't ever talking about spiritual practices. So Daniel actually started searching to see what was out there. And then I joined him and we searched to see what kind of tools were out there. And there aren't very many that you can go in and just see where you are on spiritual practices. So we decided, well, let's take some of a little bit of this and a little bit of that from things other people have done and come up with our own. So what we have created is this blueprint for spiritual wellness, which is a self-assessment. You go in and you answer some questions. You answer from always to never. 
And it kind of tells you where you are in seven different spiritual practices that we have chosen because they're extremely helpful in drawing us closer to God. It doesn't mean they're the only spiritual practices. It's the seven that we have chosen. So which ones are the, the seven that you've so chosen? So we call them Bible engagement, passionate prayer, humble service, faith sharing, consistent community, joyful generosity, and wholehearted worship. Mm-hmm. And then there's also in that, in the blueprint, there's also questions that deal with the fruit of the spirit, which is from Galatians. Are you looking at me? (laughs) (laughs) You're the director of discipleship. (laughs) I just suddenly went blank on where it is in Galatians. (laughs) But the fruit of the spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. So the fruit of the spirit questions in there as well, because that also helps you in your walk. So you talked about how like there are no rules. We're, you know, not trying to say you have to do things a certain way. But I'll tell you, I took the spiritual wellness blueprint. I created my blueprint and it kind of like I felt like I'm not doing well in almost everything. Like I felt like as I was answering the questions and I think like I, it kind of turned into me judging myself of like, why am I not reading scripture more? Why am I not, you know, doing these things? And it it was kind of a frustrating experience for me because I work at a church. I feel like my job, part of my job is doing these practices. But then when I went down to it and I answered the questions, I just felt like I was falling short across everything. Like, what are we, trying to inspire people to do with this information? And what would you say to someone who's frustrated by their results like me? Well, first of all, I would say thank you for being honest, because one of the things we found is that people think I'm going to be judged by this. And let me tell you, this is for you and you alone. I will say when I first started creating my blueprint, I did mark, I do not want this shared with a pastor. And it has not been. That's right. Although now they know. <laughs> now they know I didn't do well. Yeah. So so you were honest because a lot of times what we find is people want to say they do um, this, this all the time. Uh, I, you know, I'm work at a church and I had to answer some questions about prayer about, Hey, when somebody asks you to pray for them, do you follow through and do that? And I had to answer, man, I don't think that, I think I do it rarely mm-hmm. that I absolutely, that I might pray once. Just like I say, I'll pray for you to yeah. give comfort, but then don't actually yeah. do I it. mean, I might yeah. do it once right at that moment, but then do I do it consistently after I had to be honest and answer? I rarely do that. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you were honest is step one. And like I said, this isn't a tool for you to be judged. We're not, you're not going to get a a grade and then you're going to get a better pew on Sunday morning because you have a higher grade. It's not, it's simply for self-awareness. So the fact that you looked at that and said, oh, I'm falling short, maybe that didn't feel so good at the moment, but then you could set a goal of like, you know, I want to do a little better. Mm -hmm. And then there's very simple goals that are provided to help you do better. So why, 
did we? Because you said there are so many different spiritual practices and anything where you're trying to connect in with God could be a spiritual practice. Why did we choose those seven? Because the practice that comes to mind that we do every single year is fasting, but we didn't include it as one of the practices to work on. So why were these included and some other maybe even really well-known practices we left out. You know, and I wish I could give you, oh, this wonderful, beautiful answer. Um, But I think the truth is, first of all, we chose Bible engagement because studies have shown that Bible engagement is the most powerful catalyst for spiritual growth. So that one is really important. We also chose consistent community for the same reason. Studies have shown that being in community with people makes a difference in your spiritual growth and how you change. Mm -hmm. Fasting, we didn't choose because for most people, that's not something they're going to do regularly. And so what we wanted to choose were things that practices that people really can do in their daily life, that these are things that can be a part of them. And they're also things that Treach offers resources for. So that makes it helpful as well. And we know, at least I know, I have experienced what a difference it makes when I serve and how that makes me draw closer to God. And I'm going to admit, sometimes I serve and I don't even, I'm not even thinking about God. But there are other times that it's like, oh, this is making, this is, I see what God, why God's calling us to do this. This makes a difference. I'm loving people. Well, okay, let's talk about that. How have the spiritual practices enriched your relationship with God? Is, is there one that really uh, that you lean into more than others? Is there like, which I want to hear it all. Like, what are, what is it that you struggle with when you took your blueprint? What was it that came back and said, uh Oh, okay. So you added, you asked about 10 questions in there. Yeah. I just want you to bear all (laughs) and publish your spiritual blueprint for us. (laughs) So here's what happened to me on my own journey is I was in youth ministry And I was preparing lessons for the youth to do. And, you know, this week we want to talk about friendship. So I'd look up in a concordance and say, show me all the verses about friendship in the Bible. And I'd put together a great study. And and I felt good about that. And then somebody challenged me. It was my uh, senior pastor at the time challenged me to read Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. And I read that when I was in my early 30s. And it rocked my world because Richard Foster was talking about, hey, there's more than just picking and choosing things to do here and there. There's more. I felt pretty good about going to worship for an hour on Sunday. I called that worshiping God. And he's saying, hey, you know what? That could go every day that you can worship outside of a service. And, you know, so it really rocked my world. And so from there, I started discovering different ways that, that I could get to know God better. Now, for me, you asked what is, you know, my strength, Bible engagement is my strength. And I discovered that, you know, like I said, I was doing youth ministry and I was picking and choosing, but I discovered that when we moved to Tennessee, and they didn't need anybody in youth ministry at the church we decided to join. And someone walked up to me and said, hey, will you lead an adult Bible study? And I said, yes, without thinking about it. And then I went home and said, oh, no, I just agreed to lead 
a Bible study? Well, it happened to be Disciple One, which is an in-depth look at the Bible. And I fell in love with scripture. That doesn't mean I love everything in scripture, but I fell in love with learning scripture and learning more about it. And so for me, Bible engagement has always been a daily practice or at least, or at least two or three times a week. You well, know? I remember that growing up that when Stephanie and I were getting ready for school in the morning or we were coming back from swim practice or something like every morning you would be sitting in the living room with your Bible open, reading and doing some sort of devotion or something. And it had it just became a part of the daily routine for us that it wasn't out of the ordinary to walk in and see mom sitting there with her Bible open on the table and we just walk right by it like, OK, <laughs> There she goes. Yeah. And it just, and it, it's because for me, I actually heard God's voice more when I was engaged with scripture than any other time. So, um, and you know, I was hearing sometimes this is not the way you're supposed to do things. Or I was hearing, oh, you need to, like you said, you need to kind of look at your own life a little bit more carefully. And so for me, that's the, the strongest. Where did I, where did I score the lowest on my blueprint? You're going to laugh, but um, faith sharing. Mm. I'm the director of adult discipleship, and I can tell you that I am completely comfortable sharing my faith with a group of people that want to come to my Bible study and listen to me share about my faith. I'm not as comfortable sharing my faith when I just walk down the street and meet somebody. Mm -hmm. I'm learning to do that more because I have the most amazing neighbor who is Muslim that shares her faith with me all the time. And I'm learning to, that we together share faith with each other. And I'm learning that there are ways to share faith that is beautiful mm -hmm. when you share your story. So I'm learning that, but I scored low on that. And I scored low on passionate prayer, which didn't surprise me at all. I've always, and, and passionate prayer for me is because I don't follow the rules of prayer. I don't, I don't wake up in the morning and pray. I don't pray at every meal. I don't pray before I go to sleep. I pray differently. And so it's taken me my entire adult life to realize I do have a prayer life. It just doesn't look like anybody else's. And so I did score low on that because of some of the things I've already shared. Like I'll forget to pray for somebody when they ask me to, or mm -hmm. I, I don't sit down and have a set aside prayer time every day, things like that. I don't think I scored highly in any of them. <laughs> and it did spit out like, hey, here are two practices that you could improve on. I'm sure it was my lowest scoring one. But I don't think that I scored high as like, oh, you're doing really great on any of them. I wonder, it, it does feel a little overwhelming of like, oh my gosh, I thought I was doing okay. And there are so many things that I have to improve on. But I did want to ask, so like when we're talking about spiritual gifts, we say you are gifted in a unique way and your gifts aren't going to be the same as someone else's gift is it the same with spiritual practices of like, there are going to be spiritual practices that you naturally connect to more than others. And it's okay for that to be your chosen form of spiritual practice. Or are we expecting like, Hey, you need to improve in all seven of these to be connected. So yes and no. I think 
if you are engaged in any spiritual practice and there's one that resonates with you the most and you hear God's voice the most, all the power to you. That is wonderful. And we're, you know, I'm just so pleased that you've taken that step. But all of these make a difference in our life. And so if once you're, you, in your self-assessment, you realize, oh, I'm not doing as well as I could, choose one thing on there because you'll find that it improves. Yes, everyone's different. When you talk to people, let's just talk about a worship service, for example. When you talk to people about what do you love about a worship service at Treach? What kind of things do you hear from people? Music. It's at it? Usually. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's... uh... I think it depends on what style of worship they prefer. Yeah. I mean, there's people that truly are worshiping just by listening to the music. I don't resonate with that at all. I love music. Mm-hmm. I love music, but I am not I am not sitting there connecting with God during music. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make me a bad person. No. It just means that's not how I connect. Yet I can connect through a spoken word, like the message or uh, somebody that does a dramatization, I can connect in that way much stronger than I can through music. It doesn't mean I don't like music. So it's the same thing with spiritual practices. How you connect is different. When we are, um, which by the way, I should tell people, we're talking about the blueprint for spiritual wellness. You can create your own blueprint at tmumc.org slash blueprint to see what we're talking about. And there's a class that you can take to uh, work on your spiritual practices, learn a little bit more about each of the practices, some of the things that we provide uh, to help you grow in those practices. So I encourage y'all to, even if you're not connected to treat, go to tmumc.org slash blueprint and uh, you can check that you don't want a pastor to see it and they will never reach out to you and it's just for you or you can check that you want to connect with a pastor and they'll connect with you and talk with you uh, through some of the things that you can do to improve in your practice. And this is what's interesting about it. It's not designed to take one time only. It is designed to take whenever you feel like you just need to see where you are. My results, I took it this morning because I knew we were doing this podcast. My results this morning were very different than my results just three months ago. Mm. And I think it was just because I'm in a different place today than I was three months ago. And so that's, and that's okay, but it helped me open my eyes to, oh yeah, faith sharing. I need some work on that. So is our goal, our ultimate goal in all of this to help people find ways to connect with God? Is like that's the ultimate goal. That is the ultimate goal for everybody to find their own way to grow closer in a relationship with with Jesus and with other people. So it, you know, you think about loving God and loving people. That's what it's all about, and that's what what these talk about. And even when you look at the different recommendations, they're very different. Mm-hmm. There's some that are like. Like in Bible engagement, there's some that are just, you know, do a small devotion every day. And then there's some that are join a Bible study that meets for a year, you know, so you can pick and choose what works for you. So are there different levels? Because I was going to ask, like, which is the easiest spiritual practice to get started with? And I guess it would depend on, like, what comes more naturally to you. But when you are given recommendations for each spiritual practice. Is there like a beginner, intermediate, advanced option for like how to grow? 
There really isn't because of just what you said. Every person's different. If you wanted to take baby steps, that would be a great time to connect with a pastor and say, hey, you know, this is, but even in those, there's ways that it shows you. Like if you've never, ever read the Bible before, start with the book of Mark. It's the easiest story about Jesus. It's only 16 chapters. You could probably read that easily in a couple of days. And it's just very simple. And so, you know, we have suggestions like that in there. If you've never, ever read the Bible, a great way to start is a going on you version and liking Tree Chish Your Church and start reading our devotionals that, that we, or Bible reading plans that we put in there. So those are small little ways that you can do that. Which one you should start with? Man, that's a, that's a personal thing. And the only thing I'll reiterate again is that studies have shown Bible engagement is the best catalyst to improving your spiritual growth. So if you've never engaged with the Bible, I would recommend that, but that doesn't mean that's any more important than any others. Okay. So the last question that I have, which seems flippant, but it's not, um, cause I'm genuinely asking, why should I care about growing in spiritual practices? Like what, why can't I stop at just loving God and loving people? Ultimately, that is our goal, to love God and love people. But can you honestly say that with that as your goal, you're really doing that on a consistent basis? You need to be energized. And having that time of growing in your relationship with God helps you to energize and to recognize when you're not loving God or not loving people the way that you should, it opens your eyes, it, it helps you to keep walking forward, and it changes you. And that's ultimately what happens is the transformation. And I really want to share the message version, because I love it, of Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. Now, this is a really popular verse that you've probably heard before, and it's when Jesus says, my yoke is light. But listen to the way the message says it, and I think that'll answer your question. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything Ill, heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So maybe that's the answer. Who doesn't want to live freely and lightly? So Jesus is saying, if you spend some time with me every day, your life's going to be different. Does that mean all your burdens are going to go away and that you're going to get a million dollars next week so you won't have any finance? No, it doesn't mean any of that. But it does mean your outlook's different and you're changed. And who doesn't want that? So it's about a centering practice. It's about self-awareness. It's about transforming your mind uh, to become more like Christ. Mm -hmm. So if we're claiming to be Christ followers, it's almost like um, these practices are necessary for us to continuously check in with ourselves and with God of like, okay, um, how am I doing? How and also, I mean, I what I liked about the scripture you just read is taking time to rest, taking time to step away, 
Um, because I guess I wasn't really thinking about the spiritual practices being restful. It felt like another thing to put on your to-do list every day, as opposed to a time to step away and rest. Cause now I'm like, Oh, now I have to read the Bible every day and pray every day and serve. And I'm not serving enough and I'm not doing this and I'm not doing that. And it it's felt frustrating because I was like, okay, now here are more things I have to do. One of the th- important things to remember with spiritual practices is they're not about checking it off and saying, done that for today. They're not about bragging to other people and saying, guess what I did today? They're very personal. And yes, one of them is being in community, but even in community, you're in small group community that is helping share that. I liked what one of the books that I have on spiritual practices said. They said It said that intentional practices and experiences give people space in their lives to be more connected to Jesus. And I like that space. It's just like you're talking about. We think we're so busy we can't do any of this, but maybe we need more space in our life to have time to do this. And then again, think of it differently. For me, prayer isn't right when I wake up, but I walk to work every day, and I can't tell you the number of times that I find myself having a conversation with Jesus And it might not even start out with, dear God, and amen. But it's this constant voice in my head. I know, it sounds like I'm crazy. But that's helping me to connect with God for the day. So let me ask you. Mm. Oh, no. (laughs) I'm the one asking the questions. (laughs) So what are some of the spirit? Do you have any spiritual practices that you do regularly? And regularly doesn't have to mean daily. Yeah. Well, I will say, so I was uh, one of the people who got us on board to be a version church and do the reading plans. Um, and as a result of that, I am doing so many Bible reading plans. I will say it is for work, but I am getting stuff out of it. So like for every reading plan uh, for those who are listening, if you're doing the reading plans that we have through you version, for every reading plan that we uh, feature that you sign up for, I've probably read five or six to choose that one. <laughs> and so I am uh, in scripture a lot recently. And also with these podcasts, um, I've been digging into scripture a lot so that I can be prepared, especially when we were doing um, our July worship series on weird stories from the Bible. Um, I was writing blog posts every week, doing podcast episodes every week around these stories from the Bible. And if I'm going to talk about them, I got to read them. And so that's been something that I've really been growing in recently. I won't say that Bible engagement is a passion for me like it is for you. Um, I think it's exciting to learn about scripture. I am very passionate about like the history behind it, the context behind it, understanding who it was written for, what the cultural uh, norms were for those people at the time, all of those things. Sometimes it's harder for me to connect to what does it mean for me today because I get so caught up in the history, but I I'm working on Bible engagement and then, um, The other one that I think I'm pretty good at is faith sharing. Um, And I kind of want to poke at something you said earlier, realizing that you're not sharing your faith walking down the street with people. I don't think that's what faith sharing means. 
I think faith sharing means being willing to talk about your faith and the people with the people around you, the people who you're surrounded with every day. And that's something that I've struggled with in the past is like you think of faith sharing as proselytizing or trying to convert people to your faith. Or you have this agenda of like, I need to tell as many people about Jesus as possible. But I don't think that's what faith sharing is. I just think it's uh, a willingness to share your faith faith story and keeping your eyes open for when those opportunities come up. So I don't think it's forcing a conversation that's not there. Oh, and I absolutely agree with you. Faith sharing is telling your story. Yeah. It's not saying, here's what you're doing wrong. It's sharing, well, this is why my life has made a difference for me. And even then I fall short on that. And a good example, you even shared that as kids, y'all watched me reading my Bible. There was one time Stephanie, my other daughter, said to me, when she was an adult, she said, you know, mom, we watched you read the Bible every day, but I don't remember you once telling me why it made a difference to you mm-hmm. because I'm very weak at sharing my faith. That would have been mm-hmm. a very simple thing to say to y'all. This is why I engage in this every single day, but I, or inviting us in to do it with you or because inviting, I don't think you did that either. Nope, that was my <laughs> quiet time. That yeah. was my quiet time. So see, I'm learning too, that that sharing my story. And the reason I'm shy about it is like I said, I love sharing my story with people that want to be there. And so the reason I'm shy about it is for all the reasons we've talked about and other things. I mean, this could be a podcast all in of itself, mm-hmm. afraid to insult, afraid to, you know, and so, man, I have to learn to do that better. Yeah. And it's just a simple, hey, have you ever had someone say, I feel blessed today? They've just shared their faith mm-hmm. in a very simple way. So that's something I'm learning on too. And I think that what I struggle with the most right now is probably joyful generosity because of the word joyful. Um, I, it has taken me a very long time. So I'm not bragging about this because it it took me a lot longer than it should have. But I am at a full tithe of giving 10% of my income to the church that I'm a member of. It's not joyful for me. Um, every single month I'm worried that I'm not going to pay, be able to pay the bills. And every single month I look at that large chunk of money going out to the church and say, Oh, if only I kept that for myself, how much easier things would be. And so I don't know how to get to the place of joyful. And then there are people who tithe and then they're generous above and beyond the tithe. So anytime there's an extra need, they're so quick to jump in And it's not necessarily that, I mean, we do live in an affluent community. So there are people who just do have more money and have a greater ability to give. But I don't think that's what it is. I think that even if they made the same amount of money as I do, that they would be generous. And I just haven't been able to figure out like how to have this generous spirit because I worry about money a lot. So I was in exactly the same place as you were when I was in my 30s. Exactly. And I, we finally got to the tithe. We were older than you when we finally got to the tithe. We were probably. I know, but you also were married with two kids. Yeah. And so it makes it even harder because as worried as I am about money, I don't have anyone besides my two little doggies depending on me. Yeah. And we just tried how we did got to the tithe was we just raised it by about 2% every year and finally got to it. But I had to start out giving out of obedience and I had to give out of obedience, just like you're doing now. I gave out of obedience for years and years and years until 
it was joyful. And there was this moment when it became joyful. Did, was so, there anything, was there like a spiritual practice that you did to get to that point of joyful or did it just like click one day? It just clicked one day. And I, and I think some of it is in my day, you had to write a check. Mm. Oh, so, so for me, it's auto draft at the beginning of every month and it's sad to see that money go, but I'm not having to actually pull money out of my wallet. And man, if I had to put like cash in the offering plate at the beginning of each month, or, or I don't know if I'd have the strength to do it. It became a spiritual practice, just writing that check because it was like, am I going to be obedient this month, man? We're only going to eat beans the rest of the month if I'm obedient. And then you would see the neighbor pull up with a new boat and you'd think, well, I could have something new and, you know, but then it became so, but I had to give out of obedience. That's not going to be everybody's story, but that's my story. And then as I got older and more, particularly when y'all were out of the home and we didn't have kids at home anymore, I remember having to really analyze, am I joyful now because I have money or am I really joyful in my generosity? And I had to learn that. And so generosity can come in all kinds of ways, all kinds of ways. I I remember when Daniel first came here, he taught me such a lesson about generosity. We had our very first lunch with the pastor and there were leftovers. And the whole time I was thinking, yay, Chris and I are going to have a good meal tonight. And at the end of the meal, Daniel said, hey, everybody, take food home. And he offered it to everybody there. And I thought, oh, that's what being generous is. It's not just about giving that money. It's about in every area of your life sharing what you have. So, yeah, it's a learned behavior. Yeah. So that's one of the things I'm weak in. Um, So it's weird because I do practice generosity but I wouldn't call it joyful generosity at this point in my life. And then the other one. And I would challenge you that um, joyful generosity doesn't always have to be monetary. That's a big part of it. Mm -hmm. But you can be generous with dropping everything to keep your friends dogs so that they don't have to hire a dog sitter. You can be. So there's other ways that you can actually have joyful generosity. Yeah. It's hard because when you mention examples like that too, I don't know if I'm joyfully generous with things like that either because don't laugh (laughs) 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 because I am big on boundaries. Yeah. And so like, I think boundaries are healthy, but at what point are my boundaries a lack of generosity? And that's something I've got to figure out too. Well, and those are things that, that's why some of the self-awareness is really important because it's things like capturing in your head what you're thinking. Mm-hmm. It's like, I just, it's, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to um, let people know that there's leftovers because I'm going to hoard these for myself. Oh my goodness. Did I just really think Mm -hmm. that when I can be sharing this with everybody? And so it's, it's capturing those thoughts in your head when you're realizing I'm keeping it all to myself when I could share it. Yeah. And I think, um, another one that I really struggle with is humble service. Um, because, I, I don't know if I take time outside of my work hours to serve. 
Um, a lot of the service that I do is as an employee of this church, which it's not technically service because I'm paid to be here. And so I think that that's something that I'd struggle with is like, it's hard for me. Like I have, and it's the boundaries thing again. Like I have this block in my head of, um, okay, if I'm at a church, it's I'm working. I'm working, I'm working, I'm working. And so to come back to a church to serve or, and, and it's easy to say, okay, find ways to serve outside of the church. Yeah. I don't know. It's just something that I struggle with of like my, it's selfishness. It's my time is so valuable to me. I want my rest time. I want like, so I guess the spiritual practices that are hard for me are the ones that require interaction with other people. Cause I'm like prayer. Great. I can be in solitude and in prayer all day long. Uh, Bible engagement. Great. Like I can sit and read and be on my own. Cause I'm an introvert at heart and my energy comes from being by myself. And so the spiritual, and so the giving one, I'm like, yeah, I'm struggling with it, but I'm willing to work on it because it's still very much solitude. Um, but when it comes to service, worship, uh, community, all of the ones that require human interaction, (laughs) that's where I start to like clam up. And I want, I'm like, it takes all my energy. It takes every bit of energy I have to be around people and doing that too much will just like steal all of my. So service can come in many ways. Service can be regular weekly service, something that you do. I mean, there's, there's people at Treach that their weekly service is greeting people at the door. So it can be that. And trust me, that is extra important. Or it can be something that you do once a year. Your church, for example, whenever it gets cold, opens up its church for, the, for those houseless population. Going and helping, maybe providing something to help them get ready for that, that can be service. So service can come in lots of different ways. One of the things that I have learned to do because I have, because we have handicapped people in our family, um, you know, your grandmother and my mom always used a cane and then my brother uses a cane. I am very aware when there's carts in a handicap parking spot. So every single time I go to a grocery store or a public place, I actually look at the handicapped places. And if there's a cart there, my service is to take that cart in. And it's very simple. It's very simple. And not every time there's a cart in it, but it's something that I'm consciously aware because of an experience I've had with my own family not being able to park in a handicapped parking spot. And so that's a simple thing that you could do. And that service. And it makes a difference. And, of course, I, it's no, not humble anymore because I just told you. But I also noticed one time that I did that. I took the cart. I saw a cart in a handicapped spot. And I took it to the cart drop. And I noticed there was another cart in a handicapped spot. And before I could get it, somebody else did it. And I can't help but think they saw me. And so they did it too. Mm -hmm. And so you just never know. You never know what service can look like. It can be simple. Mm -hmm. I struggle more in service. I'm a doer. So so I'm so busy doing that sometimes I forget to have relationship. And I'll never forget, and you were there, so you may remember this. We went down to the city of Dallas to feed the homeless. 
and I was in charge of putting hamburgers on a plate. And I can only tell you that I didn't miss a single plate. This was at Thanksgiving. And I was so proud of myself because every plate got a hamburger on it. And then Chris, my husband, Alyssa's dad, came up and said, I just met a man that needs his coat. I'm going to the car. We have some blankets. We have some things. I'm going to give him that. And I realized I had given everybody hamburgers, but I hadn't looked a single person in the eye. Hmm. And it, and I was the one that worked for the church, by the way. He was just in construction. <laughs> and he taught me a lot that day because service isn't just about doing. It's a combination of doing and seeing. And we're called to see people too. All right. And from your life, I'm going to tell you, you have great stories. I remember one day that you stopped your car because there was a lady that was struggling with her bags on the sidewalk and you stopped your car to help her. You have, you serve more than you think. Maybe. I don't know. Cause I always think of service being like signing up for a service project, doing community events, like going and building a habitat for humanity house. Like there's, we do so many organized service projects and those are the things that I'm just like, I don't have the energy to be in a room of a hundred people doing a service project together. But like, if I see an individual who's hurting or who's having trouble, like, yes, it's very natural natural for me to stop and help. Uh, I don't know, for some reason that maybe I just need to rethink service. Definitely rethink because you also give of your time and energy to help your own church with the skills you have that you use at this church. You also give your time and energy sometimes at your own church to help in those ways. It may seem small to you because it's not hard. Yeah. Service isn't about how hard it is. We, we, we tend to think service is about being a missionary. Yeah, like how much effort, how much sacrifice yeah. did you make to serve another person? Yeah. And I'm like, well, it was so easy. It's what I do every single day. And what would have taken them 10 hours to figure out took me 30 minutes to accomplish, you know? You, you served me today by giving me a ride to work. Oh. See, there you go. So she doesn't always walk to work. I don't always walk to work. <laughs> if Alyssa says you want a ride, I say yes. Um, no, thank you so much. Now everybody knows my dirty laundry and the (laughs) spiritual practices that I struggle with and my selfish tendencies. But I think that we all have something like that to an extent. Like, I don't think that anybody is going to score highly on every spiritual practice. Like if they're honest, if if you're honest. honest. Yeah. And that's what I want to encourage you to be. Be honest. This isn't about getting beaten up. This is about self-awareness. And we all know in every area of our life where we become more self-aware, it makes a difference. It makes a difference. Well, and it might be worth it to check that little box to say, I want to share with a pastor because just having this conversation with you has made me feel better about my results of like, don't be so hard on yourself. Like you serve, you do these things that you think you're failing at. And it might be like you as an individual, we all have our preconceived notions and biases of what we think each of these words mean. And we're going to answer questions based on our own biases. And you might just need someone to sit down with you and be like, Hey, you're being a little hard on yourself here. Like it's not what you think it is. It's not as scary as it sounds. Um, so this has been a helpful little spiritual practice therapy session for me. So ultimately, I just want you to remember, ultimately, Anytime that you're loving God and loving people and you're aware of 
that you're loving God and loving people, that can be an important spiritual practice in your growth. So y'all can create your own blueprint for spiritual wellness at tmumc.org slash blueprint. If you live in the area, consider taking the class, learn more about each of these spiritual practices. And, uh, and if you want to have a conversation, check that little box, check that little box, share with a pastor, off you go into your spiritual practice journey. Well, this was fun. Thanks for inviting me. The Life Plus God podcast is hosted, written, and produced by me, Alyssa Robinson, and sponsored by Treach Memorial United Methodist Church in Flower Mound, Texas. If you live in the Flower Mound area, I invite you to stop by and see if Treach could be your new church family. You can learn more about all of our programs and events at tmumc.org, and I hope to catch you next week for our next episode of the Life Plus God podcast.